Motorsports Worldwide Live. In three, two, one. On 947, Vuma FM, Rise FM, and Soweto Live. Hashtag MSW. 947 forward slash Joburg. It's as simple as that. You can log in your comments. Interact with us because it's a bumper of a show today. As I said, from Italy back home. You're live on 947, also live on Rise FM, Vum FM, and on Soweto Live. No better platform. We are in conversation. Yeah, I know. Last time, we promised we'll deliver him. We couldn't. We got greater reason this time to bring him to the fore. I mean, the steady aggression, it kind of got him through his biggest fight of his career and also unscathed. I don't know if it was unscathed, was I saw on TV. I was like, hey, is that Kevin with a couple of, you know, potential blue eye? (laughs) Blue eye boy to actual blue eye. So it's like, hey, he'll come through and it'll tell us about his warrior spirit. We saw it at the Empress Palace on Saturday night. If you were watching, either if you were there at the venue, please feel free. While he's here, 011-883-8947. What was your experience at the fight? Did you expect it? Did you expect the outcome? I mean, the champ is here. Kevin Larina, who picked up a hard-fought 12th round unanimous decision of Riyad Mahi. So it's what now? 35 or 31 fights. Two losses. 26 knockouts. Hey, of the Belgian to win the WBC Bridgerweight silver title. Mr. Two Guns. I mean, the Eliminator box as well as the Dine Tournament was explosive. I mean, the fight was a nightmare to score at times. With several of these swing rounds, Lerina came forward uh, throughout the fight. May kind of fought on the back foot. So I think that was part of the plan because that's how they trained. That's how they prepared for the fight. But he's here to tell us all about it. WBC Bridgerweight Silver Champion Kevin Lerina, ladies and gentlemen. Good to see you, sir. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rob. It's been uh, long overdue, and yeah. uh, thanks for inviting me. It's honoured to be here. Thank you. How are you feeling now? I know, what is it? The left eye kind of <laughs> took a knock. There's a, yeah. I mean, it's nothing. You're a fighter, so you're expected to come back with a couple of bruises here and there. But it's the win that's important. Put it this way: I feel a lot better than I look. <laughs> so, um, no, the win is the most important thing. It's yeah. part of the objective to getting the mission accomplished, to winning the the WBC green and gold yeah. against the Polish uh, Rosinski. But it was a good, hard-fought fight. We knew Murray's a tough competitor. We were meant to fight each other in 2021. Um, that fight fell through. I got injured. I broke my hand in training. And now we made the fight happen two years later. Probably both of us bigger, stronger, as it's a new weight division for both of us. Yeah. And I knew Murray was a tough competitor. I knew it would be a hard fight, but I also knew what I had to do to win. Because you, you plotted and planned quite a bit. I think we were all expecting something technical. There was talk of it being like almost like a chess match. Mm. Um, in the end, it's a, it's a case of what you do. I do counter, but you were, you're always going to be on the front foot as opposed to him being on the back foot. And we kind of clearly saw that. Yeah, there was a bit of a turn, I think, in the, around about the ninth round. He started seeing that he might be losing the fight, started wanting to come into it more. But I think he'd done the job by then. Did it work according to plan, though, Kevin? I'd say 90% of the yeah. fight went according to plan. The plan was you hit the nail on the head to keep him on the back foot. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, Rob. He can't fight on the back foot. He's extremely strong coming forward. So if you, we studied all his victories, yeah. including his only loss. And he lost going backwards. He won going forwards. So we said from the get-go, this is my country. 
Empress Palace. We're going to put him on the back foot, hit him hard, hit him early and yeah. hurt him early. So he respects my power and then take the fight from there. And obviously there's moments in the fight where he was trying to come forward and mm-hmm. counter punch me, which is what he's extremely good at. But we didn't allow that. We took that away from him and that allowed us to be the aggressors. And, and that looks good on the judges' scorecards. Mm-hmm. There were moments in the fights where I had him hurt. And if I look back now in hindsight, could I have taken him out? Most probably yes. But I just always had in mind that He's a terrific counterpuncher, and all his all his twenty six knockouts came from counterpunching guys who were throwing at the same time as him. So I didn't want to make unnecessary mistakes. As yeah. I said to you, this yeah. was an objective for me. This wasn't a mission accomplished. You know, we got to go on to Poland now, win the green and gold, go to Persbids. So I needed this victory, especially coming off a bigger uh, heavyweight world title loss. This victory was important yeah. for me. So how we did it, well, I was happy with the way we did it, and it was probably one of my better performances, and against a very good opponent. Yeah, got to go back to that incident in December. Mm. I think that obviously uh, did hurt you. It, it hurt South Africans quite a bit. Uh, I'll chat about that. But just, you know, Peter was talking about the plan, your, your trainer. And it was, a, it was about a plan well executed. I saw a couple of reports. They were saying it was a KG, cautious, calculated kind of fight. You know, the triple C as it was. For the fans, though, they had your back from beginning to end. You know, not the kind of showman, because like you say, you had to keep it within the objective. Yes. Do you feel, though, that you gave as best as you could without maybe exposing yourself to the potential danger in the end? I think I gave the best of myself with what was in front of me. Yeah. Remember, I never had an aggressive guy in front of me. I never had a guy who was coming forward to force the action. I had to go force the action. So... That can also make for a boring fight. Luckily, in this case, it didn't. Yes. You know, when you've got two guys centering him coming forward and me going forward, we're going to lock in the middle and we're going to have a war. But I felt like I was the, uh, 90% of yeah. the time the aggressor and, and doing it for my fans, doing it for yeah. the crowd to, to erupt at Empress Palace, which they were, which I'm very grateful for. So it just makes a difference. You know, there's a saying that styles make fights, but I yeah. also disagree with that because the who you are and the man in front of you is what makes the fight really. You know, you got to you got to adapt to what's in front of you, and I had to adapt with a guy who was on the defensive back foot, looking for one punch to knock me out. So that's what I had to yeah. adapt with, um, and then obviously he had to adapt with a guy who was putting an onslaught onto him, going forward, coming forward, throwing punches in bunches. What round was of concern to your corner? Probably the twelfth round. Um, or, or if we had to look, talk through the whole fight after the fourth round, Peter said to me, because you know that WBC read out the scores. Yes. He said, hey, listen, two judges have it a draw. One judge have you ahead by two rounds. You need to pick it up now. So that was a wake-up call for me because I thought I was ahead for the first four. I thought I'm, I'm, I'm cruising to a victory here. And he said, listen, two judges have it as a draw. You need to, you need to move now. So I think from four to eight, yeah. I applied more pressure to just to increase that deficit a little bit more. And then obviously in the 12th round, he came out guns blazing because he obviously realized he needed to win by a knockout. So at the start of the 12th, I said to myself, just box your way to a victory. Yeah. Get on your bicycle, you're on the winner. And then obviously, centering, boom, that, that, that goes out the window and then we're trading blows. And, and he caught me with some good shots, managed to yeah. stay on my feet, weather the storm, you know, that warrior spirit within me for my fans. I said, you know what, there's no repeat of December here. Yes, I'm leaving you victorious. And I, uh, I dug down deep because yeah. he came at me hard and I knew he was going to. And my plan in that thought was just to box and run. 
but that's not in my nature. Yeah, I can't box yeah. and run, you know, I like to fight. So, yeah, I'm fortunate that I got through that barrage of punches in the 12th and we raised our hands. And they look more dramatic on TV, you know, that, right? <laughs> yeah. When they put the slow the mo, slow -mo. They see the sweat in your jaw going this way. <laughs> and it's like, how do you have a straight nose after all of that? Because they look very clean. Uh, he, he got his way through simply because I think it was a tired 88-88 was the time when they started getting a bit worried about yes. your score and you needed to up your game at that stage. I mean, at a stage when the, the referee slipped and fell, you know, added to the drama and the mix and everything else. But just on the general chat, and we've had these with, with Brian and all sorts of other people here on the show. I, I always look at Empress Palace as this doyen of people coming together, wanting to watch boxing at its purest form. Mm. Do you believe that that has been consistent throughout your journey? right now and what you experienced again on Saturday? Yes, I think um, obviously it all depends who's fighting. Yes. You know, Golden Gloves, Rodney Boom puts on great shows. He really does. Yeah. Golden Gloves put on great shows and, and they do good for South African boxing. But I think it's fair to say, and I must be honest, Little Arena Army always turns up when yes. I fight. They come in the masses. It's a record sellout for Golden Gloves in terms of Empress Palace. You know, they had to force in more tables, allocate more tickets, which shows that there's a desire for boxing in South Africa and that makes me happy it means we're doing something right because many people many years ago maybe said the sport is dying and, yeah. I, and I always disagreed with that I yeah. said the sport's not dying the fighters are there we just need the right people to back us and I think uh, boxing in South Africa is very alive we've yeah. got great fighters in our country and I'm just fortunate enough to be doing it myself and, and, and be given the opportunity to showcase my skills I was going to say that with, with, with the kind of look that you gave you know sometimes people go crazy they jump up and down because they've won you are more calm matured about it and you, and you mentioned something quite important you talked about a, you know a great team a great trainer and great sponsors mm. so you're more reflective as opposed to the showman at the end and he in turn was also equally supportive it's not like somebody when the outcome comes out and he feels aggrieved mm. so he literally clapped you quickly moved across to go and, and and greet him and thank him for the fight whatever pleasantries you guys exchange after fights but coming back to that just those three and i know that sponsors are a big thing and sometimes people say that they go through their careers, they don't even know what a sponsor looks like. And you've been fortunate enough to have that. Tell me more about what that brings to you and how that makes your load that much lighter. For sure. Sponsors play a major role yeah. in my career. I mean, in all fighters' careers. Obviously, you know, it's got to be a two-way relationship. I yeah. mean, let's be totally honest. You, you're a brand ambassador or a billboard for a company or a big uh, blue chip company, and they want something in return. But I think I build a lot of my sponsorships based on relationships and those guys have been with me for a long time extremely well-known blue chip brands you yeah. know i mean I, I don't there's no need to mention them people know who they are mm -hmm. and they've supported me they supported me after my loss you know that that was the biggest thing for me when you lose i think you really see who your real supporters are mm -hmm. and who the loyal ones are and i say that with i say that seriously because boxing is a very cutthroat sport yeah when you win, winning riding the crest of a wave eight years undefeated seven-time world champion almost everybody wants to be on board yeah. but when you lose that's when you really see who's on board with you who wants to ride in the same boat as you or is happy to just jump off and get on the next uh, rubber duck you know what yeah, i mean yeah and i saw that and um that's why i go in my my post-fight interview and after i was victorious i said you know what this is a bigger, bigger victory for me than becoming a world champion because mm. it was important for my mm. career. 
It was important for my sponsors. It was important for my promoter, Rodney Berman, my trainer, Peter Smith, my family, my mm-hmm. friends. And I did it, obviously, for my children. I, I go out there and I fight for them, you know, to provide for them. But at the end of the day, it was it was more than that. It was a much-needed victory. And, and a lot of people said, you, you're going from a hard fight into a hard, hard fight, you know. I said, you know, this is what boxing is about. Yeah. You know, we can't uh, sugarcoat. If you want to be the best, go out there and test yourself. Dare to be great. And that's what I did. I almost yeah. become heavyweight champion of the world. Sure. Now, Usak is fighting at Dubois. They're in $1 million purse bids. I missed that boat because I lost. Mm. And uh, it's just another way, a step in the right direction. I'm on my way back. And uh, that victory meant a lot to me on Saturday night. you got to be because, I mean, you had Dubois down three times. Yeah. And then on the third round, then he... Yeah, then I mean, then all that stuff happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and you know, a lot of people have spoken to me about that fight, and I speak openly about it. I said, yeah. well, there's two ways this goes. You can go on and and look for all the faults in what happened and blame the board of boxing control in UK, blame the WBA for not sa- for not appealing mm-hmm. the decision because of the three knockdown rule. But hey, I must. I've got myself to blame. I was in there. I had the opportunity to take him out. I allowed him back into the fight. Mm-hmm. So now. Get on with it, deal with it, and move on. And that's the attitude that I had after that loss. I said, get on with it, deal with it, move on. You know, you've got to rest on our laurels. We're going to go back and keep talking about, oh, but I knocked him down three times. They didn't stop mm. the fight. It's not going to change the outcome. Today, Dubois in purse bids with Usyk for over a million dollars. I lost out on that opportunity, and due to elapsing concentration, I lost that fight. So it was a massive learning curve for me. Yeah. So that's why the comeback now, and I say it as a comeback, because it's not like I've retired and I've had to come back. Too young a, for that. Yes. It's a comeback in a quest to heavyweight championship yeah. of the world again or bridgeweight championship of the world because now I know I was literally fingertips away sure. from earning a career-high payday, from being the WBA world champion, from being amongst the elites of Tyson Fury's Usyk. Hmm. And I'm just from South Africa, no amateur fights, doing my trade here at Empress Palace under Boxing South Africa. So no one can take that away from me. Mm. I just, uh, I know I'll get the opportunity again. And this time when I do put them down three times, there won't be a time for round two. I love that. I love that because when you talk about the Tyson Furies, that's who you shared a billing with yeah. at the Tottenham Stadium in London. And when you're around greatness like that, you, you are in the same bull. Then you think, my goodness, it's within touching distance. I'll find out if it's still emotional for you. Uh, chatting to Kevin Larina, like I said, I'll take uh, some of your WhatsApp notes if you want to send them through. 011-883-8947. That's the uh, studio number here in studio. Chat to him live if you are at the arena over the weekend. My goodness, from a television perspective, we enjoyed every single moment of that fight. Marawa Sports Worldwide Live. In three, two, on 947 Vuma FM Rise FM and Soweto Live Evening to Kevin um, Congratulations to Kevin um, Just wanted to find out you know what informed his decision to move up weight classes to heavyweight and you know does he have a roadmap to eventually getting to Tyson Fury and those guys um, to be the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Kaya Koko speaking from Katlehong. Thank you. Kaya Koko, KK, thank you so much indeed. And Katlehong, great question. Kevin Larina, the champ is here. Great question because ultimately <laughs> you want to be there. Yeah, very good question. So back to the first part of the question was yeah. why did I go up? I'll tell you what, there was nothing left for me at Cruiserweight. 
Okay, um, this, the division t- the division is very stagnant. There's no real champions since Usyk went up. Yeah. When I say real champions, money champions. So where, where there's hype around those guys. And then also, um, I struggle to make the weight. I walk around at 104. So for me to drop 14 kilograms every fight is it's hard and taxing on the body and it's not healthy. Yeah. So I made the decision to go have a crack at heavyweight. Um, I won my first fight at heavyweight against Bogdan Dinu by KO. Um, and he fought big names like Jarrell Miller. Um, and he, he's been in training camp with a lot of the big fighters. Then I fought Marius Vach, who also equally fought big names, the six foot nine Polish guy, Marius Vach. Mm-hmm. He fought Klitschko, Dillian White, and he did well against those guys. And I beat him. And that got us the shot at Daniel Dubois. So we went up to test ourselves. I, I, I went up to test the waters. And yeah, you know, it's hard to say because we were there. I mean, you, I you speak the, about you, yeah, yeah, yeah. the waters we tested. It's not like I wasn't swimming. I was yeah. swimming, but it's almost like I got hit by a massive wave that tumbled me back to shore and we have to reevaluate. So now going back to the end part of his question is winning this belt, winning the Bridgeweight World title, getting a good solid ranking again, I'll get my opportunity. Because at the end of the day, when you fight the big names, they want something to go with it they just yeah. they don't want just a guy with 29 wins and two losses that's just the record yeah that doesn't take away from your boxing ability but they want a guy that when they sell that ticket when they sell that pay-per-view it makes sense because a lot of fighters get criticized for fighting opponents that don't excuse me for saying it but don't put asses in seats yeah boxing yeah. is inter, inter, entertainment business yeah. and that's what they want so the, the navigation now is just staying winning because i realized when i was winning as an heavyweight, I got my title shot, right? So now it's about staying winning, getting the green and gold, and hopefully we get another opportunity within the next uh, couple of months or years. You know, obviously I don't want to be a journeyman in the sport. I've given myself maybe four solid years to capitalize and to do yeah. my best for South Africa and to make my country proud. Um, so let's see where it takes us. I'm optimistic. And it's quite easy to change the fortunes of the crowd. I mean, we've seen... Nongjinga going to Mexico, coming back with the world championship, and exactly. he turned the crowd in his favor. And I think to a certain extent, even at the Tottenham Stadium in London, you, you kind of got the support that you didn't get when the fight started. Yes. It, in the end, and a lot of people kind of felt the way that we all felt about the being robbed part. Yeah. I mean, it, it really takes a moment again, Kevin, and, and with all the hard work I know you always put in, surely you're not surprised by the swing in terms of the support yes. when you're away from home. Yeah, I mean, it was actually mind-blowing. Yeah. The, the UK newspapers, I think it was the Daily Telegraph and the Sun, the articles the next day were, Dubois saved Lorena robbed. I mean, it was crazy, and that's his home country. Um, the fans were, obviously, the UK, they're loyal, they're patriotic, but a lot of people came yeah. up to me. Every person came up to me when I was walking out the stadium and said, you were robbed, mate. Yeah. But I never said, I decided not to take that stance. And, you know, because a lot of people, when you lose, it's it's easy to say, you were robbed yeah, or yeah. I was robbed or I was hard done by. But the boxing, you know that the people who watch the sport say, hey, this guy was kind of robbed. Yeah. But I had to then mention something on social media because I got I got almost slandered for being quiet. People have said, that, why is this guy quiet? Why is he accepting the way because he Rodney lost? Because and everybody else yes. were very vocal at the end. And why is he accepting the way that he lost? What, what something's fishy here? Then yeah. I said, hold on a minute. I'm just the guy who doesn't complain. I'm a sportsman. I carry on. And uh, if you live your life thinking, or what if, what mm. if I could, what if mm. I didn't, what if I did, you're going to have... Mm you're going to be haunted for the rest of your life thing, so you've got to let it go. So I've let that go, but the, yeah, I had to come out and say, look, I felt like I was robbed, but this is boxing. Yeah. We've got to move forward. 
And you also but, don't want to be that cry baby no. that people look at and say, oh, yeah, yeah. you wanted to be a heavyweight, you now see, you got into heavyweight. And now, and now, and, he's, and now yeah. he's blaming things, he's blaming yeah. the ref. You could blame a, If I just sit here now, well, they ended the first round 10 seconds early when he was hurt. Yeah. First thing. Second thing, was the fight stopped early? According to the ref's rest discretion, no. According to other people, yes. So it's here, my word against their word, but it was clearly obvious. He went mm, down three times, times and yeah. the first round ended early. But hey, that's boxing. I knew that the people of the boxing world and those that tuned in saw that. Mm. So I didn't need to vocalize that. They know mm. People aren't silly. They're not stupid. They know exactly what's going on. But uh, just, just validation yeah. in the end, I guess. Uh, let's go to Boxburg quickly, uh, Champa. Tanesh is there. Uh, wanting to thank you as well for the great job that you are doing. Tanesh, thanks for your time. Thanks for holding on. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yes. Welcome. Welcome to the uh, show. Yes. I just wanted to say to the champ, uh, you know, like I'm a big fan of his and, um, you know, and uh, we appreciate the work he's doing. But the one thing that stands out for me uh, about him in comparison to the boxers or the other people you've had on the show before is, you know, even through his social media, whether it's the birth of his kid or him in Dubai, you know, he interacts with us. I think that's one thing that most of our uh, athletes or sportsmen lack in here. They don't use social media for us to interact with them because, you know, we might not be fans of the sport, but we fans of Kevin now. You know, that type of thing. So I think maybe some most athletes should maybe take uh, lessons from how you handle the social media. Sure. Yeah, that's all. I mean, while you're on, uh, Tanesh, before you drop the line, and, and you mentioned something important because we had a chat with that when Kevin was supposed to come here the first time, uh, he had to rush uh, to the hospital because his wife was just about to give birth. And what is it now? Five weeks, uh, yeah, Kevin? Five weeks yeah, later. five weeks. And again, congratulations, Thank man. Thank you. Um, being a dad again and very strong. And, and what Tanesh is saying makes sense is that a lot of people shut off. There's this superstardom about them. You know, who are they for me to talk to them? And yet you open yourself up. How come and why is that? Because um, I appreciate the people that support me. Yeah. They, they help me get the sponsorships. They help me be the brand I am. So the least you can do is interact with the people that support you wholeheartedly, whether mm -hmm. it's boxing, whether it's day-to-day -day life or you as a person. You know, I think it's very important to engage with your audience. Obviously, my audience isn't in the millions, so it's a little bit easier for me, but we're looking to go there and I've always maintained that I want to stay the person that engages with everybody and treats everybody the same. Because at the end of the day, the supporters are what make you. Yeah. You know, if you shunt them or turn your back on them, at the end of the day, who do you have? People who support you are there for you and, and they, they add to your brand and they're a valuable addition to your brand and, and how you treat mm -hmm. them is uh, paramount. All right. Uh, any final word from your side, uh, Tanesh? Uh, and let's mention, though, you are Kev Lorena Boxing on Twitter. On Twitter, yeah, on Instagram at Kevin Lorena. Okay. I know sometimes people, there's another Kevin Lorena that's there that kind of confuses people, but that person kind of last posted in 2018, which makes yeah. it uh, <laughs> not to be. Yeah, Tanesh, sorry, your final word. Ah, no, just keep up the good work and uh, keep making us proud. Thank you. Nice one, nice one. And uh, talking about that space, though, because mental health is quite important in boxing. Uh, talk us through the struggles, though. Um, I mean, you look at boxers, you look at their faces at times. There's a sign at times of desperation. There's a sign of worry. There's concern. There's can I, will I, won't I? And in this world where mental health is spoken about quite a bit but yeah. what's your take on that given where you are now as a champion 
Boxing is a very lonely sport, Rob. Yeah. Let me be honest with you. When I had my loss in December, I got back home. Regardless of what I made there, regardless of the magnitude of the event, I felt lonely. I felt alone because I'd lost. You know, when you're winning, you feel like there's there's just a, there's a crest of a wave you're riding with so many people on that wave with you. Yeah. But when you lose, you feel alone. So I think boxers do tend to have that sense of being alone if they don't have a good team, if they don't have a good support structure, if they don't have solid fans. And that's where I went back to my fans and my family and my loved ones close to me because mm. at the end of the day, when it's all said and done and you walk away from the sport, they're the only people there for you. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, the biggest thing in life is, you know, to mental health is important in anything in life, your day-to-day -day life, sportsman's life. But uh, the key is getting rid of yes men in your life because there's a lot of people that are going to, tell you how great you are hangers on hanger honors and tell mm. you how fantastic you are and you're the champ and you're this and you're that but when it's all said and done you don't need those people you need somebody mm. to sit you down and say you're behaving like an idiot now yeah put yourself back in line because that's a true person and i think the key for me was getting rid of yes men and yeah. i never had to get rid of yes men after december my career, I, I served away with those people and I have any close people around me, very close friends, wow. my family, and obviously my, my team. Yeah. And I don't have yes, man. I've got people who are honest, legitimate people working a day-to-day -day job who are not there for anything, no notoriety. They're just there to see me do well. And uh, those people is what helped me get over my loss because they were there for me. Yeah. And yeah. they helped me realize that I'm human and you're not a machine and it's very hard to please everybody because I think the biggest thing for a fighter when you go out there you're putting it all on the line but you're putting it on the line for everybody yeah. you don't want to let your supporters down you don't want to let your fans down you don't want to let your team down but at the end of the day you don't want to let yourself down and when you lose it's a letdown for everybody yeah. and uh, the ones that are closest to you not the yes men people will always pick you up and tell you how, how good you are but they'll also tell you when you're doing wrong you almost touched on issues to do with you know people Notorious individuals because at times you find whew, all sorts of people want to be around you because they know you're a boxing champ. Um, and they almost want to bring the so called imaginary protection around you. Mm. you know, so you find people that are bouncers and clubs over weekends, all of a sudden they want to be close to you, but you don't know them from above soap. But they want to present themselves as that. But also by association, you then present yourself with people that they're associated with that you mm. don't want to associate yeah. with. And that becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. How then are you able to sift through that? Because I'm sure you've gone through that road, you've been down that path before. Yes. But just to put a no, and I know you say December gave you a clearer indication of that, but do you believe now that you have? Most definitely. Um, like you said, how do you put the sift through that? Well, I'll always be a person who's... I try to be gentleman-like, respect everybody, greet everybody. Right. But I just don't take that next step with them, that further engagement, you know. If I know that a person's intentions aren't true and their intentions aren't clear, then I just keep it as simple as I greet them, yeah. have manners, show them the respect that they deserve and then move on. You, you'll see the people that uh, always want something out of you and that's when you just got to kind of cut them out so you'll never be rude or you'll never, I never want to come across as rude or arrogant or don't have time for people. But if you just merely greet somebody, show them the respect they deserve, but just continue yeah. on with your own, you know, it'll do a little ninja and exit. That's kind of the thing, the saying that, hey, I don't want any affiliation with you, but I'll greet you because I'm a respectable guy. Yeah. 
Rodney Berman's been wanting the fight, Rosinski fight, to come to ESA. Do you believe that he can? Will he? I think so. I think uh, Rodney Berman, he, he's a great promoter, yeah. especially Africa's greatest uh, for a very long time. And uh, he wants the fight to come here. I mean, he's, he's going to all extents, I believe. Uh, he spoke to Peter today. He's going to all extents to raise the capital to okay. bring a, a fighter like Rosinski here to South Africa. I mean, it's, he's going to call on a lot of people. I think he's going to be calling on uh, the sponsors, you know, uh, the Department of Tourism, Department of Sport, possibly, hopefully. Yeah. I'm sure he's going to reach out to them to try and make the, 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 the big fight happen in South Africa. And I hope he's able to do that because Golden Gloves, uh, they deserve it. You know, they've been putting on great boxing. They've got the most world champions out of any promoter. You know, they promote the likes of Dinga and Tobela, oh. Sugarboy Malinga. Those were our last two WBC champions. And I just hope to follow in those guys' footsteps because Dinga and Tobela is a great. He's one of my favorite fighters. I mean, I, I love Dinga and I still yeah. have a relationship with him to this day. I, I was with him two weeks ago and he's a great, yeah. you know, the Rose of Soweto. And if I can just follow in his footsteps, it's just it's great for Golden Gloves. And I believe... You know, I'll be Rodney Berman's last WBC champion because Rodney Berman, you know, obviously he's 80 years old now and, and he's he's maybe going to promote for who calls it another five, ten years. If you know, who and I just want to be his next WBC champion or his last WBC champion and South Africa's yeah. third. So I think Rodney Berman's doing great for the sport and if he can bring that fight here, it will be amazing. So to the sponsors and those that he's able to reach out to, I just hope they can make it happen. If not, we get on a plane, we go to Poland and we rumble across the pond. Come on, come on. <laughs> I know the Minister of Sports, Zizi where you're listening. Yes. Uh, all of the people that work in the office of the Sports Minister, Arts, Culture and, you know, and, and everything else. The only culture we want is for the fight to come here. And your dream will certainly come true. Uh, I have no doubt about that, Kevin. And I think just in closing, what's the biggest wish? My biggest wish as a fighter um, be to become heavyweight world champion again or to get a shot at the heavyweight yeah. world title. You know, not overlooking Bridgeweight, but become Bridgeweight world champion. That's obviously first step of the, the mission. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, the mission accomplished will be South African fighting for the heavyweight world title again. The last one to do it was Corey. Yes. And um, we, 13 years later, I got the opportunity. Jeez. We need to continue and say, well, I had that opportunity. Now we're looking for another one. So I'm mean, going to bash the doors down. And just to leave behind a legacy, mm. you know. South Africa's got great fighters. I mean, we spoke about it earlier. Um, Nonchinga, you know, yeah. there's a lot of... Zolani Tete is one yeah. of my favorite fighters. He's a Southpaw, obviously, but older than me. Yeah. So he's towards the end of his career, but he's a terrific fighter. I think we just need to realize that South Africa has the talent. Yeah. Um, we just need the opportunity and uh, the assistance to market these fights better because we've got good fighters. And, and I just know that... My objective in the sport of boxing was to break that door down, yeah. was to, to, to put the asses in seats again, to create hype around the sport. And I'd like to say and believe that Saturday night was testament to yeah. that. The people were electric. The people were chanting Zulu songs, singing yeah. Shoshaloza, and that made me proud. If you go look there, it made me proud. It said, you know, this is South Africa. Mm. Sport brings people together, and I'm just proud to be South African. I think we can do it more, mm. and we should be doing it more. And if and you it, get that fight, 
in South Africa. One of the things I'll promise you is something called the Guijo Squad. You yes. see them in action, uh, whether it's rugby or cricket they, as well. They, they've been to one of my fights too. There's the leader right here. CJ. <laughs> A friend of mine, CJ. He, he, you know CJ? You see? Yeah, yeah. 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 You see, what does he always say to me? She was at my fight shouting, Aquadine. <laughs> He's always there supporting. and, and uh, Beautiful. I love it. This is South Africa. We bring people oh, together. Man. Sport changes lives, but sport is what brings our country together and i'm just grateful to have been given that opportunity to do that and that's that's my legacy i'd say is bringing people together and uh, paving the way for other yeah. fighters let's make this fight happen wbc bridgeway silver champion kevin larina ladies and gentlemen kev good to see you thank you so much man thank you rob appreciate your time